This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. What up, what up? This is Matt Dolkin with the Rotoviz PGA Podcast at Bearded DFS. Follow me on Twitter, check out the podcast homepage, and click the link for a 30% discount on a Rotoviz subscription. Check out rotoviz.com slash PGA for my article for the event this week for $4. It's tailored towards GPPs, and we're going to be talking about the Farmers Insurance Open. Please subscribe on iTunes to the Rotoviz radio feed and the On The Daily feed as well, where this podcast will be posted. I'm excited to say hello and welcome to the podcast, a new guest from the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, writer for Tour Level Fantasy, at BMS DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Brad Messersmith. How you doing, buddy? I am good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you about some golf. Uh, I'm going to talk about the course real quick, and then we'll get into our key stats and talk about the players. So we're going to stay in California this week for the aforementioned Farmers Insurance Open in San Diego, more specifically in La Jolla, a beautiful place. If you ever get the chance to visit, I'm fortunate enough to have been there about 10 times because, you know, I live in the Bay Area, so it's a pretty short trip for me, and I have family and friends who live there. Uh, we're continuing the West Coast swing, and we have another multi-course ordeal at the venue, Torrey Pines, where there's a north and a south course. The players play around each at the north and south course on Thursday and Friday, and both of the final rounds on the weekend are at the south course. Um, both courses were originally designed by William F. Bell. The north car- course is 7,258 yards, a par 72 course with bent grass greens, redesigned by Tom Weisskopf in 2016 to make it a little bit longer and more difficult because they didn't really see a reason that it should be so easy comparatively to the south course. The south course is 7,698 yards, a par 72, and the greens are Poa Annua, and it was redesigned by Reese Jones in 2001. Uh, there's narrow fairways on the south course, and they're a little wider on the uh, the north course. And um, the weather this le- week looks really beautiful. Um, 
I did a correlation on the key stats over the last five winners of the event, and you can clearly see a correlation of the importance of driving distance. Uh, it was the highest correlated statistic I found among the past five winners in what they succeeded in in the year that they won. Um, so it makes sense that we're going to need guys that you know have the distance uh, to score on these long par fives. The South Course has some really long par fives, and uh, you're going to need to score there if you want to succeed. Um, it's it's kind of weird because the even though the fairways are pretty tight, uh, driving accuracy didn't really correlate. Um, it wasn't something that the winners were really succeeding in, uh, you know, uh, above other golfers. Um, as far as the stroke gain stats go, uh, strokes gained tee to green and strokes gained approached were the most important, the most common trait. In addition, birdie or better was very important, which is kind of weird also because the, the uh, average of the last five winners was 10.2 under and uh, scrambling should come into play as well. Uh, what do you have here for the key stats, Brad? Um, yeah, I, I've got a lot of the same, really. Uh, I think it's it's obvious at this point with Tori that you can expect driving distance or, you know, I, I look at strokes gained off the tee. Um, strokes gained tee to green has a little bit of a off the tee aspect to it. So I'm going to be looking at both of those stats. But, um, you know, you, you, distance comes with a bit of a premium this week. You're going to have a little bit of uh, a tee to green aspect. You do see a little bit of scrambling show up. Uh, at times at this course, but ultimately, you know, things like par five scoring off the tee are probably going to be the the biggest kind of most important indicators. And then uh, there's there's some guys that have done really well here that tend to be really good long iron players, um, which sort of is the workaround to driving distance that we've seen. Um, you know, guys who who aren't long, long off the tee, but are exceptional long iron players. The the one that really comes to mind, who obviously is isn't in the field this week is Jim Furyk, but there's some other guys that I, I know I, I have marked. We'll talk about, I'm sure that, uh, you know, sort of get around the driving distance premium and, and can hit it with uh, long irons really well. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that actually is a great segue to the first guy that, you know, at the very top, the guy with the hottest form coming off of a win, you know, John Rom, a, great driver of the ball, but also a great long iron player. So tell me, tell me why I shouldn't be playing John Rahm this week. <laughs> the list is really short. <laughs> there's, there's not, there's not many reasons. That's the problem. Um, I mean, at 11,800, you know, he's, he's really not even that highly priced to the point where he scares you off too much. Um, you know, there's, there's some guys down low that are, are value plays that I, I think make sense to try and get John Rahm into your lineups. He's a past winner here last year. He, his last three events were a win, a second place finish, and a win. So there's, I mean, there's not much there. Uh, he's he's obviously a great play. I would say the only thing that, um, you know, devil's advocate would be, you know, he came off of a a, a win in a a playoff. So, you know, the, there is some potential for some fatigue, but it seems unlikely. It's not really necessarily like we're, we're traveling long distances or anything like that this week. So. Um, you know, the, the list is really short and, and I think you're kind of grasping at straws to say Rom is, is a fade by any stretch of the mind. I feel completely the same way. You know, I, he's, he's my favorite guy this week up top. And the only thing I can construct is that, you know, like you said, I don't like to play guys coming off a win. Uh, it can be very emotional, but I, this guy is just, he's in a zone right now that, you know, 
is kind of unparalleled and his form is crazy and it just seems like he's just really focused you know he he seems like he really wants to be that number one guy and uh the only other reason i can make is usually you know when we see spieth up here or dustin johnson you get shorter odds at a guy near 12k maybe you know six or seven to one to win and he is i see him nine to one to win right now so um he's my favorite guy up top uh after Rom, who do you like? Well, I, I think you, you can make a case for all three of the other the other three guys in this range. I mean, you've got Fowler, Matsuyama, and Rose. I think probably if I had to pick the the guy who I would expect to consistently play well here, it would be Rose. Um, but I think there's a case for Hideki Matsuyama because of ownership. Um, Hideki has not really performed. You know, he doesn't have anything stellar in terms of course history here but uh he's got three fifth place finishes internationally in a row um so he's playing elite golf and i expect hideki to be pretty well overlooked in this range because of his course history um so i'm sort of getting the sense that justin rose and ricky fowler and and ron will be the highest on golfer probably in the field i think um so I, I suspect that hideki will be probably the lowest owned in this range and there there may be a case to kind of pivot and and play Hideki for that reason, given the fact that he's playing elite golf. Yeah, Hideki's my next guy as well. Uh, Ricky Fowler is sponsored by Farmers Insurance, and there's a lot of off-the-course things that he has to deal with, um, you know, when you're at the host course, and you're, you're the guy that's sponsored by them. And uh, Justin Rose, I, I think, is a fade for me just because of the long travel from Abu, da uh, Abu Dhabi, you know, where he competed last week, which uh, that, that's quite a flight there. So his form is is incredible. It's it's, pr it's pretty amazing. But yeah, Hideki is definitely the second guy I like. So how many Tiger shares are you gonna have? <laughs> all, all of them. No, um, I, I I'm a huge Tiger fan. I mean, any, any of you guys who are coming from the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast and have you know followed me on Twitter and, and listened to my stuff for a long enough time know that you know Tiger is just my favorite. I mean, he's my hero. Even I would. I would say even more so than um, the general DFS community, who I think is probably going to choose to sort of fade Tiger. I really want to just, you know, throw 20 lineups into the $1 and just put Tiger in all of them just to have that entertainment factor, you know. Um, ultimately, at 9700 I'm not sure Tiger is really going to be <laughs> at the top of my list. It's hard to really want to jump on board, but um, if there's if there's any place that Tiger can find a way to make sort of a comeback and, and start his ball rolling, it seems like it would be Tory where he's he's won, you know, he, he won a stretch where he won five times in four years yeah. at Tory. I mean, just absolutely sick course history, unprecedented. And, um, you know, if there was a place to do it, it would be this. That's That's the way I'll phrase that. Definitely, and, and seven wins total here. I mean, it, it's pretty ridiculous, and there, there's nobody I would rather, you know, see hitting, you know, the two wood. I mean, that recoil is just, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's actually eight wins if you include the major, by the way. I think he won a major here at uh, Torrey. Oh, yeah. It's, in 2008. Uh, the U.S. Open, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, wow. So eight wins here. On one On one leg, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 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 so yeah eight wins here seven at the farmer's insurance and um 
yeah, I, I can't see myself playing him either. It's just an overpriced, but I, I, I feel like a good percentage of the field is going to, you know, play him, but it, it's kind of hard to guess the ownership. You know, he brings a lot of uh, casual fans into the DFS world when, you know, he in his return. Yeah. I mean, obviously you look at DraftKings and you see the prize pools have drastically changed overnight because of the Tiger effect. Um, so I think there will be an influx of, of a lot of players that aren't all that familiar with with uh, with golf. If you're the type of player out there that is just playing GPP lineups um, from week to week, I would strongly suggest just take a stab at playing a couple cash lineups and throw them into the huge um, double ups or 50-50s because they're going to be really soft this week with all of the, the new folks that are going to be entering you know, these huge prize pools. Generally, we see, you know, weeks like in the majors and weeks like this, you see, you know, people tend to want to enter stuff like the Millie Maker, but, um, you know, there will be a lot of people entering the $4, I would bet, uh, because of the prize pool there. But a lot of these guys who don't play golf tend to enter, you know, a few lineups in the $5 or the $4 type entry, big GPPs, and then they'll throw you know, 20 or 25 or 50 bucks into a big double up um, and they'll do one of each. So the, the huge double ups I think are going to be pretty soft this week. That That's a great piece of advice. I don't typically play cash games and I, I, I am going to be playing in those double ups this week for that exact reason, just because of all the casual fans um, moving down to the nine K range. Who do you like here? Um, I would say, Outside of Tiger Woods, I think um, for, for cash, I kind of like Mark Leishman. He's uh, at 9,200, playing some pretty good golf. He has decent course history here. Um, I think he sort of suits the course. I'm not really, I'm not really so sold as everybody else is on Mark Leishman and his sort of upside. I think he's going to come cr- crashing down to earth at some point. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but I don't really care. I mean, in terms of consistency and that combination of upside, the way he's been playing the last two, two or three months, I think he's he's a great cash game play. Um, you could sneak him into some GPPs as well. I think my, probably my favorite play for GPPs here is going to be Brant Snedeker, who, um, whose ownership is going to be next to nothing because of the fact that he was fairly popular last week. He was 7,700 at the career builder and missed the cut and broke everybody's heart. Now we're sort of following up where Brant Snedeker is coming off a withdrawal and a miscut, but he hasn't really shown any sign of having issues with the injury. I mean, he looks rusty like he's been off of golf for a year, which he, he sort of has. Um, but we're coming back to Torrey Pines where Brant Snedeker is a two-time winner, has two second places and a third-place finish dating back to 2007. And um, for those of you who don't remember, he had what many people call one of the best rounds in golf in 2016 when he shot, I think it was a 65 or a 67 in the wind. Um, you know, it, it was basically a, the average was was in the 80s almost. And uh, Brant Snedeker just went off to absolutely win that tournament in, in terrible weather, uh, followed it up with a ninth place finish last year. So if Brant Snedeker is going to make a tur- uh, turnaround here, it, it would make sense to have it happen at Torrey Pines where he has just absolutely incredible course history at 9K. Um, I don't love the price, but for GPPs, he's just going to be completely overlooked. Yeah, he will be really low-owned. And um, for me, I'm really big on current form. Uh, it, it's a huge part of my process. I, I pretty much go current form 
and type of golfer and then everything after that. And due to that reason, I won't be touching him myself. But, yeah, he's going to be so low-owned. I, I completely agree. And then uh, talking about Leishman, he's just not a guy I want to pay this price for. Um, he, he's a guy that, you know, at last year, at the end of the year, I was fitting as a last guy in at, like, 7K or, like, 6,800. So I, I feel like this is a bit of an overpay for him. So I agree with you there. Um, That's Jason, fair. I, I, I also think that Leishman is probably – that's going to be his destiny. Like when I say he's crashing down to earth, at some point you're going to find him back in that 7K range, which is where I think really he has the value. But we have also haven't seen Leishman really you know, perform with the level of upside he has for the length of time he has probably, I mean, in a long time, if not ever. Yeah, definitely. And when he gets there, that's when I'm going to play him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. The, uh, another guy I have interest in in this range is Patrick Cantlay. Um, he is a favorite of a lot of DFS players, but I, I could see him getting overlooked. Um, if, if the weather does come uh, you know, into play, it gets a little windy on the coast there, and scrambling becomes uh, a big factor, I could see him struggling in uh, that space. But um, just a great guy, T to green, uh, very talented in his approaches. He has played uh, pretty recently at the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, in that event, he was... Not the greatest tee to green, so hopefully we can just call that a, a, a get-right spot. But then, you know, when you're looking at the stats, you're comparing it to, you know, some of the, you know, 30 best golfers in the world. Of course, there's a, a, a bunch of guys that got their wins, but, I mean, the, the pedigree of that field uh, is just amazing. So um, I really like Cantlay. I, I think he will be low on just because of uh, the, you know, he's right below Tiger Woods and he's – above guys that people still love for some reason, like Phil, <laughs> but uh, you, won't yeah, that's, see- that's going to be the influx. of. I think, honestly, I think tiger is going to have some, imp- I mean, there's going to be some impact on tiger's ownership because of the influx of new players, but I bet Phil has, has a higher ownership than I think a lot of people will expect for the same reason. Yeah. I haven't played Phil for a while and it, it hasn't burnt me uh, besides, uh, <laughs> last year when it was him and Stenson in like a crazy shootout. I forget what event it was. And that was the only one where it basically had me like drawing dead. Cause I didn't have either of them. But uh, yeah, outside of that, I, I, mean, I want to say it was the open championship, which was nuts. Hey, sports fans, football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. My bookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. My bookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. My bookie has in game live betting on every major league and event, even esports. There's no better time to join My bookie than today. Go to My bookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Uh, what... Was it the Open or the British? Oh, yeah. Same thing, right? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I, I haven't. It hasn't hurt me too bad, so I think I'm going to just continue fading him. And that brings us into the 8K range, where I know a guy that you're a fan of, and his name is uh, Tony the Tiger <laughs> Finau. <laughs> yeah, my reputation precedes me, I suppose. But yeah, I don't see any reason not to continue playing Tiger. Uh, now you got me all messed up because that's literally <laughs> I call him Tiger Finau. Like at home, that's what I call him. Like when I'm talking about him, that's what I call him. And uh, yeah, it's it's my one fatal flaw. But anyways, Tony Finau, I mean, just makes perfect sense when you when you look at guys like this with course history that every time they play gets better each year. Um, to me, that just screams future winner. And we've seen this sort of trend before, but. You know, last year he finished fourth, and he's sort of followed that trend since three years ago. He started with a 24th place finish. Um, you know, I, I could I could very easily see Tony Finau winning this event, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. So at 8,700, I'm not afraid of him. I'm going to play him in cash. I'll play him in all formats pretty much. Yeah, I, I, I used to be such a big Tony Finau guy, and I guess at heart I still am because I'm just I, – I love tee to green guys, you know. Uh, get it to the green. Hopefully they can putt this week, and then, you know, we've got a top 10 or a winner. But, I you know, he only gained .4 strokes on the field at the Sony, and actually his uh, decent finish was on putting. He was gaining strokes putting, which is really weird. So that that's how he was able to get that uh, – 32nd not that great but still uh he was succeeding putting instead of tee to green which is kind of worries me but i mean it, it's you know he did play an event recently so maybe that was a get right spot and uh i'm not sure how highly he owned he'll be but i think another reason that i'm not going to be playing tony is i'm just really heavy on these next two guys gary woodland and ollie schneider jans they both have the, the distance to get get it done on these par fives uh woodland showed some crazy birdie streaks uh, a crazy birdie streak on friday at the sony open to uh, make the cut and then he continued it into the weekend just lighting it up uh, finishing in seventh after like almost drawing dead to make the cut and uh, he actually tied with ollie for uh, seventh as well uh, these are just two guys that are incredible tee to green their uh, tee to green form is really good and uh I just think they're a little bit underpriced because I could really see them contending here. Do you like them? Uh, yeah, I have both of those guys marked. Um, probably I think I like Gary Woodland a little more than I like Ollie. I think Gary Woodland fits the course a little bit better than Ollie does. Um, when you look at Woodland's stats, like you said, tee to green, ball striking approach, um, he's been very, very good over you know the last 24, 36 rounds or so. Um, you know, and he, I think he's a guy that sort of suits the length a little bit better of this course. I'm still not sure on Ollie. I mean, I've I've been talking about how talented Ollie is and how he's the next guy to win for it feels like almost a year now, and it it hasn't really happened. He's shown some potential, but I'm starting to wonder if Ollie is not the person we thought he was when he's coming up. That being said, you know he finished ninth last year at this event and 49th the year before, so. He has made two straight cuts, um, played well a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, this this could be the week. It might make sense. A lot of these guys who are supremely talented, like Ali, uh, play Tory 
times in you know some of the amateur events and and things that they're doing coming up, even the junior events play at Tory. Um, so you know I I could see it making a lot of sense. I I can't fault anybody for playing Ollie. I'm just not not sure I'm as bullish as as some other people on Ollie. I feel it. Going back to Finau, the reason I always end up fading him is just the super high ownership too, and I, I see him projected right now at twenty four percent. So uh, if I can, you know, get some leverage with these guys right below him, uh, I'm gonna do it, and I will be doing it. <laughs> Anybody else you yeah, like in this? AK I, I don't range? fault you at all. I I think uh, outside of Woodland and and Ollie, I, I you have to talk about CH three. I mean, it's the West Coast swing. There's there's no reason to overthink this. Um, he's going to go into my cash lineup almost for sure. He, he probably will continue go, to go into my cash lineup on any of these courses that he just has phenomenal course history on. Um, and and really, I mean, he's a consideration for my one-and-done pick. He, this is one of those events where he has some upside. I don't know that he's going to win, which is probably what's going to keep me from picking him for one-and-done. But, um, you know, he, when you look at his course history here it's elite like it is on most of the west coast uh courses but you know he has a second place a 16th place a fifth place a 37th and ninth in the last five results here so he clearly has enough upside to pay his price at 8300 um the question is whether or not you're you know if you're playing gpps does he have enough upside to win and whether or not you're interested in in taking him as a sort of a placeholder at 8300 but for cash She's certainly okay. I don't see any issue there. Yeah, I I, I can't fault that call. He's definitely a very safe play. Um, uh, his cut made like likelihood has got to be very high, and uh, he he's just not a guy that I, I end up playing a ton. I guess it's kind of like I, I have that bias of a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm sure he probably gets a lot of uh, money for your one and done for second, anyways. Yeah, and to be honest with you, if you think about like you know, that influx of new players that are going to be coming around in, in cash game formats there. People are going to overthink this CH three. They're, they're going to see Patrick Reed at 8,400, $100 more expensive than, than CH three. And they're going to think like Patrick Reed is, is a much more talented golfer. They're going to know that name. And I don't know that as many people are going to click CH three in, in that format as they should. I think a lot of them will, like you said, will get trapped into the Phil Mickelsons and get trapped into the, you know, some of the Ricky Fowlers and the higher price guys. And uh, and I think, I think there's some advantage in playing CH3 in cash and just sort of taking the biting the chalk and just, you know, taking the hit there and and moving on. You know what I mean? The the other guy I want to mention in in the AK range is uh, Xander Shuffley, who is I think just underpriced. I mean that's that's the really the biggest biggest point to make for Xander um really outside of that I mean he he has two missed cuts at this event the last two results um he's been making cuts so maybe there's something there but at 8100 I'm really bullish on this guy for the rest of the season and um I think it's he's worth he's worth a look at least in GPPs completely agree he only finished 32nd in the Sony Open which you know doesn't seem that great, but it, that was all because of his short game. His he was he was uh, first off the tee, gained 1.3 strokes per round. His tee to green game was good, uh, but it, you know his short game was just not on, and that's something that you know 
I'm sure he's grinding this week. And that's something that, you know, when you're playing and competing more often, that's what's going to come around. So uh, I, I definitely agree with uh, Xander in cat. I mean, in GPPs, but not in cash. Um, moving down, I, I love the guy that starts out the 7K range, Bud Cauley. Um, we're all trying to will him to win. He hasn't done it yet, but uh, he has the distance. He has the tee to green prowess. Uh, I just really like him this week. And uh, if you look at his odds, he should be up there with uh, Schneider, Jans, and Woodland. Uh, what do you think about Bud? I'm, I don't have a strong opinion on Bud. I, I, I hear a lot of talk about him, and people ask me about him. And I, I think, you know, when you look at a guy who's ranked six in the field, T to green, over his last 40 rounds, he's, you know, certainly worth a play. There's no question. And, you know, this, this is a guy who really hasn't been putting all that well that, you know, like you said before, if, if he, you know, hits green in regulation, has a little bit of proximity and can find some heat with his flat stick, then, you know, he, he certainly can catch fire. Um, I'm not so sure I'm too bullish on whether or not he has a ton of upside. I mean, do you think Bud Colley can get the win here at Torrey Pines in this field? I think it's possible, but I mean, it, it's just such a great odds value. I mean, he's 40 to one. And he's 79. Gary Woodland is up in the mid eights, and he's 40 to one. I like Schneider Jans, and he's 50 to one in the mid, you know, the mid eight range. And uh, it's just such a great value, and just I, I like his game. It really fits the course. Uh, he showed some form last week at the Career Builder uh, with a 14th place finish. Um, but yeah, he he is really popular in the industry, and he's always going to gain that 10 to 15 percent. So. Yeah, he's not. He's definitely not going to be a sleeper by by any means. Um, moving down, the next guy that I have a ton of interest in is Jonathan uh, Jonathan Vegas. Uh, the form is incredible. He has the game for it. Uh, he's a value bomber. Uh, these value bombers, you know, you're you're really going to want to just load up on them, you know, after you fit in Rom. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there any reason you shouldn't just play him? It seems like he should be uh, priced higher with his, his current form, even though this is a very strong field. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason not to play him at 7,700. I know, um, you know, Kenny talks a lot about Johnny Vegas and how, you know, he has, he has a new mental coach who's sort of trying to reshape the way he thinks about himself personally as a golfer um, and his own abilities, which, you know, is sort of a little bit narrative, but, at 7,700, I don't see any reason not to play him. He's six of six and made cuts throughout the year this season, and you know he's shown the ability to play well on any course. I mean, we've we've actually played a lot of courses that aren't particularly bombers courses that don't play particularly long throughout the season thus far, um, and and now we're sort of back on a course that makes sense for bombers, which I would say Johnny Vegas is. Um, you know, 16th in the field off the tee over the last 40 rounds. So uh, at 7,700, I don't see any reason not to play him. I think he's probably cash viable too, which is not something we're really used to thinking about for Johnny Vegas. But um, another guy at 7,700 who, who sort of has that level of consistency, but also enough upside to uh, certainly pay off 7,700. Completely agree. I love him. And he's finished as, five, uh, as high as third here as well. So 
he has the upside, he has the experience, uh, he has some pedigree, and he, he's out of value. I definitely think he could succeed here. Um, moving down, the next guy that I'd like to touch on is Kyle Stanley at 7,400. Um, not one of these super bombers where he's averaging over 300 yards, but, you know, he's about tour average. Uh, I believe it's like 296. Yeah, 290, about 296-yard average. He's a great odds value at 61 to win. Uh, he's just a, a tee to green expert. Uh, he's finished as high as second here. Showed form with a 10th place finish at the Sony Open. Um, what does this guy got to do to get some respect? <laughs> you, it, you know, it really wasn't that long ago that Kyle Stanley was coming in at minimum price. And really, even, you know, back... If you look back a year and a half ago, Kyle Stanley was was pretty much a pure bomber. I mean, he didn't really have that much else in his game and would play really well at some of these courses that were just bomber courses. But he's clearly made an adjustment in, in that you know since that time. And like you said, he's he's not so much of a bomber, which I think is an advantage for him now. And he's become this tee to green guy. And, and you know, like you said, I mean, at seventy four hundred, it's hard to overlook some of the statistics that Kyle Stanley has to offer and you know the the performance is there too he's he's you know made the last three cuts he finished 14th place at this event um, and he finished 10th place two weeks ago I mean he's got more upside than I think we're used to looking at with Kyle Stanley uh, way back when I used to love Kyle Stanley when he was minimum price uh, before he was a thing and now he's a thing so I have you know, I have a few concerns with the fact that he, he's becoming so popular, and I think he will be popular this week. But at 7,400, I'm not afraid of it. I'll, I'll plug him into some GPP lineups for sure. Yeah, I, I, I do see him at projected at 13% right now, so that, that is a little high. But I think you touched on something that uh, is just a great overall thing for people to add to their processes, you know. Each year you need to reevaluate the players, you know, just like, you know, you and I change. Everybody changes every year. People are adjusting their game. They're working on specific things. They're tweaking things. They're getting different coaches. Um, just like that John, Jonathan Vegas uh, nugget from Kenny. Um, so we need to reevaluate these guys. And even though Stanley does gain some popularity, I still think a lot of people just kind of think, oh, it's Kyle Stanley. Like they, they kind of just, you know, they get stuck in this attitude of just who a guy was and not who they've become. Cause this is definitely a guy who has elevated his game is on a different plane than he used to be. Yeah, there's no question. And I think another guy who I really like in this seven K range that also fits that exact same profile is Francesco Molinari at 7,400. I mean, people didn't realize that all of last year, this guy was making cuts and showing upside consistently i mean this this is a guy who you know historically i don't think we've all really associated with being um you know very good off the tee or uh you know a guy who who has much upside you know typically plays a lot overseas um but not a guy who has really shown any promise um you know i guess you know there's definitely some promise that's probably not the way to phrase it but you know, when you look at, at Francesco Molinari over the last, last 40 rounds, he's seventh in this field, strokes gained totally. He's first, strokes gained to tee to green. He's second, strokes gained ball striking. He's sixth, strokes gained approach. 
And shockingly, he's 12th strokes gained off the tee. He's 13th strokes gained around the green. So we're talking about a guy who is phenomenal all around. I mean, really, most of last year, he made cuts at courses that just didn't make sense. He's consistently underpriced. Uh, You know, he almost never makes it over 8K. And he's a guy who can finish top 10, top 15, top 20 consistently. And people haven't picked up on on it. I'm not exactly sure why, but, um, you know, I'm going to put him into my cash lineup this week. And I'm going to probably continue to do so as long as he stays underpriced, overlooked, and statistically elite. Yeah, that that's that's definitely a good one there. He's definitely elevated his game and he he's a very safe play. He he has he's more of a scorer than people give him credit for. Uh but I do think that he is pretty short well, in high end off the tee. So that may uh <laughs> that may uh limit his uh you know, ability to, you know, score on these par 5s. Um but it is interesting how he's uh so proficient off the tee. And he's such a short hitter because there, there's more than one way to gain strokes off the tee. And uh, he does it, uh, you know, the accurate way. So uh, he's going to be hitting fairways. He's going to be getting greens and regulation. So I, I do think he is a fine cash play. But in GPPs, I think I'll stay away from him personally. Um, moving down, uh, is there anyone else that you wanted to talk about in this 7K range? Um, the lower end of the 7K range, I don't feel particularly strong about. I would say the one guy that I'm I'm kind of bullish on is Bo Hostler, who's sort of shown the ability to make cuts at a professional level. At 7,300, you know, I, I think in terms of uh, long-term ability, I'm really bullish on Bo Hostler. You know, clearly an elite golfer has got some really good collegiate history. Um, at 7,300, I'm not sure whether or not I I'm, I'm ready to believe that he can win this tournament. Um, but he's one of those guys that I think, you know, if you ask some some guys who are close to the PGA Tour, they would say Bo Hostler is probably towards the top of the list of up-and-coming guys who, who will win on tour uh, in the sh- short term. So, uh, he's you know, he's finished top 10 several times already in his rookie season. So uh, I don't see any reason to think that he can't do well here. Um, but as a GPP player, I think he definitely makes sense as a kind of young guy who probably won't be exceptionally high owned and will have some upside. I like Hostler as well, but on this slate, I just think there's a guy in the 6K range that I think is a lot better if I'm going to take a a risk on a young guy that is just like a complete misprice that we'll get to when we get to the 6K range. But yeah, long term, I'm definitely a believer in Hostler. The the guy, uh, he's a beast and he's definitely someone to watch out for. Uh, the one guy that I wanted to touch on in the 7K range is Billy Horschel. This is a guy, you know, who has some pedigree. He showed some form at the Century Tournament of Champions. And uh, I'm he had a really bad 2017 season, so it's kind of like a, I'm banking on a return to form because of the layoff type thing. Uh, because he, he's a really talented golfer, and there's just really no reason that he should be this cheap. I mean, I understand how bad his season was last year, but he's still 90 to one. He has four PGA victories. So uh, I definitely think he's worth a look in GPPs. Of course, no, no cash, no cash for Horschel. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't play him in cash. I, you know, I, I actually, I sort of believe in this PXG narrative too. And Billy Horschel, I believe is a PXG player. Um, 
And another guy uh, that I, I think I'm also bullish on. I've believed in this narrative with Russell Knox, and I think Russell Knox has shown that same propensity. But some of these guys who have gone long stretches of playing elite golf, who are you know not necessarily in their youngest years of golf, probably benefit from the off season. And there will certain certainly be a few of them that uh, return to their former abilities. So there's no reason not to think Billy Horschel could be one of those guys. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on him a lot this year. Uh, I mean. You, you look in uh, 2016, he was 31st uh, tee to green. I, I saw, you know, something I liked at Tournament of Champions. He was gaining 0.9 strokes on the field in a very difficult field per round. So to me, that was enough to definitely give him a look at GPPs. So now we get to the the misprice of the week. Uh, 6,800, Chess and Hadley. Um, Stewart Sink. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh man! You said young up and comer, and and I, I all I could, at first all I could think was mispriced guy Stuart Sink, and and then I figured it was Chesson Handley. But go ahead, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. Oh no, not at all. I'm <laughs> I, I have been a Sink guy, but I I think I just kind of I I just like Hadley's game a little better. But you know, Sink actually does fit the he fits the course well. Um, I haven't really looked into him too much, but he is a bomber. Well, good enough. Uh, about 297 yard average off the tee. Um, but I, I just like Hadley. I just think he's just so good tee to green. This is a guy, you know, in the early parts of this uh, season, we were paying nine, 10 K for just reeling off top fives, of course, in much weaker fields. But um, if you're trying to, you know, at least have some other guys that you think can compete for the win with John Rom. I definitely think that's the way to do it. You know, you put Rom and Hadley in there. I, I definitely think Hadley can uh, make the cut and get in, enough birdies to, to get you there with your mid-range guys. Um, so tell me about how much you love Stuart Sink. <laughs> Not particularly. I mean, I, I think for cash, he makes a ton of sense. I mean, if, you, if and the other thing is that if you're looking to squeeze John Rom in, I – I love the Hadley Rom stack. I think you're absolutely right that there aren't that many of these guys where you really can picture going toe to toe with Rom towards the end of the end of the week. But um, you know, at 6,800, Hadley went nuts at the Web.com Tour Finals and hasn't stopped really. And when you look at how he's played since he sort of made his return to the PGA Tour over the fall swing season and into this season or this year. Uh, people people are going to be on Hadley. He's going to be fairly chalky, but I'm okay with eating that, that chalk at 6,800. Definitely a guy with upside, no question. Talented golfer back on the PGA Tour. Um, he's sixth in the field over the last right around 10 tournaments in DraftKings points. And Stuart Sink is ninth. People forget that Stuart Sink is not only a cut maker, but finishes top 20, top 25 consistently. And that's all worth DraftKings points. So either one of these guys at 6,800, I think, are great plays. Um, I'm probably more of a Hadley um, cheerleader for GPPs and a Sync cheerleader for cash. But either one of these guys, I think, could be potentially played in, in either format if you're trying to jam Rom and some of these higher scalpers in. I love that call. Uh, sinking, sinking cash with Rom, Hadley and GPPs with Rom. And that's going to do it for us this week for the RotoViz PGA podcast. Check out the podcast homepage and click the link for a 30% discount on a RotoViz subscription. Check out rotoviz.com slash PGA for my article for a course intro with picks. 
for four dollars and please subscribe on itunes to the rotoviz radio feed and the on the daily feed as well where this will be posted and leave a review if you can thank you for coming on brad i had a great time yeah i appreciate it love talking golf with you we'll have to stay in touch definitely good luck this week everyone peace Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.